0: Are you ready to change the trajectory of your business and see massive improvements? Each week, we'll share strategies and practices to generate sustained results and long lasting success in your organization. Welcome to the Innovation Junkies Podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Innovation Junkies Podcast. I'm Jeff Standridge. And this is Jeff Amerine. Glad to be back. Hey man. Uh, boy I tell you what we are wrapping up our leadership uh, domain so we've been talking about the variety of domains that we assess through our growth DX there are six domains uh, we talk about uh, uh, revenue velocity and we had a number of episodes on revenue velocity organizational effectiveness operational effectiveness now we're talking about leadership effectiveness and we're, we're having our last, episode on leadership effectiveness. And then we'll be jumping into uh, innovation readiness, a few episodes on that, and then finally digital readiness. So uh, on, uh, on leadership effectiveness today, we're talking about comparing and contrasting this concept of innovative leadership versus innovation leadership. So innovative leadership really being uh, I, I as the leader and personally innovative I'm constantly looking for new ways to lead the organization and uh and looking for new tools to make the organization at its best so let's talk a little bit about innovative leadership before we hop into the other uh in a few moments
1: yeah, it sounds good And in, in some you know some examples of that is you you see people that are naturally kind of disruptive they're they're in, disruptive in a good way and that they're looking for what's the next thing you know or they're looking for how can I become better the, you find that some of the best leaders are are also lifelong learners and they're they're constantly investing in their, themselves. They're reading about the latest techniques. They're reading about the latest trends and the ones that take that to heart that don't view that as the flavor of the month or some other sort of palaver that they're just going to roll out because somebody else said it was a good idea. It can, it can make a difference, right? I mean, being innovative in the way you lead and being um uh, critical and constantly learning and constantly looking to to uh, install new ways and techniques of of your leadership style I think all
0: that is important but it's different than innovation leadership that's right we'll get it yeah you're exactly exactly right so uh, you know I think about um, we've had Charles Morgan on the podcast before and I think about Charles as the CEO of axiom corporation when in the 90s when it was growing very very rapidly with the boon of the credit card industry and and, you know, Charles comes into his office and, and every day he's got a line of people waiting to see him. Uh, and that that line, you know, uh, ebbs and flows throughout the day. But it's a steady line all day long of people wanting him to make decisions uh, that really ought to be kind of delegated throughout the organization. And so he realized and even, you know, there's the, the old corporate folklore of him standing in a chair in the boardroom and saying, ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem, and I am that problem. I have become the bottleneck in this organization. And that led to a uh, two-decade process of moving to high-performance work teams and what they called franchised business units, where when you became a business unit leader, you were effectively running your own P&L. You had your own finance person. You had your own HR person. You had, uh, you know, and you had, effectively your own business unit that was a was, it was a P&L unit and you ran it uh within the context of a franchise agreement and uh and you were the CEO of your own domain there and that allowed him to take that innovative leadership design and push out decision making into the organization and we went from 200 million to a billion uh dollars during that time frame from a few hundred employees to 6000 employees on you know four continents during that time frame and uh
1: it, that's just such a strong it's it's and particularly if you look at the time frame, not a lot of companies at that time, tech companies or traditional companies or engineering companies were doing anything like that at most they maybe would have a matrix organization and and a lot of the traditional organizational structures lead to a degree of apathy because people don't have all the uh authority that they need in order to be able to actually say, I own this P&L, and I can actually make a difference in this unit. Whereas, when you have this kind of structure where you're creating CEOs of business units, and you're pushing down that authority to the lowest possible level, you're going to unlock the potential of a company in ways
0: that hadn't historically been done before it's 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 really a good example axiom is a great example i think about a a more contemporary example of you know what's one of the most stodgy types of institutions that exist generally it's a a bank or a financial institution and we've got a we've got a local bank here that is growing uh very very rapidly by using some very innovative leadership practices to build teams in other markets and so you know they started with 150 160 million dollars in assets about 26 27 months ago and they're now at three billion dollars of assets in 27 markets in nine states, or something like that. And they've used a very innovative leadership model in order to to bring those teams in. You know, it's it, they call it a digital uh, digital heavy branch light. So it's not about building a branch on every street corner, which is kind of the organizational mo of most uh, most banks. theirs is about finding teams finding investors in new markets and and using those investors to help them find teams and depositors. And so they launch. It's it's a it's a really innovative leadership approach to growing a a, a very traditional organization.
1: Yeah. And and it, it, you'd be rare to find a bank that has had that rapid of organic growth nationally. In fact, they've got to be in the top five, if not the top bank in the country for how quickly they've grown in terms of markets they're in and assets
0: under management. That's right. So that's innovative leadership. That's where a leader is constantly looking for new breakthrough and or disruptive ways to grow their organization, to deploy their human assets and to lead their organizations in a way uh, that might defy conventional wisdom, innovative leadership. Then we're talking about the next concept here is innovation leadership. And that's really creating using your leadership, Uh, responsibility and your leadership influence in the organization to create a culture where people feel that they can innovate, take risks, sometimes fail without fear of losing status, reputation or their jobs. So talk a little bit about innovation leadership.
1: Yeah. And and this is one that's really interesting, something that that I know you and I have both contemplated for a long time. And so one one of the classic examples or the the classic, classic friction points is organizations, particularly large organizations that have an existing base of business, they've got a bit of a prime directive that says, do no harm, right? You've got it. You're going to look for operational improvements, but you've got to take care of the customer today. And sometimes that's antithetical ultimately to building a lasting culture of innovation. So what they'll do at times is they'll isolate the innovators. They'll put them on this aisle of the misfit toys, something that, uh, That the folks at lockheed martin that originated the skunk works would call a skunk works right it's all the the best engineers and you lock them up in area 51 and they go build the sr 71 and the u2 and the stealth fighter but it's kind of like they throw uh stale pizza and and raw meat and coffee under the door and nobody else benefited from that innovation they were locked up in a small team That can be good in terms of getting a product or a service out the door, but ultimately it did nothing to impact a culture of innovation in the larger organization. So what we talk about a lot now is how do you go from having this aisle of innovators that are locked away and separated? In fact, you'll hear Guy Kawasaki, the chief evangelist uh, from Apple during the heyday, talk a lot about the Macintosh division had their separate building. They were treated different than the Apple II people. It was like, this was a group of prima donnas and it caused a real rub at that time in the organization so i think the thing that we want to talk about is how do you go from having this aisle of innovators to an overall culture of innovation
0: where everybody feels like it's their job it feels like it's their job and they are protected from the idea that if i take a risk and it fails what's going to happen you know and and you can look at uh, google x for how they do that you know they took over a a shopping mall stripped it down to the girders and, and the entire shopping mall is kind of their moonshot lab and where they've got people working on things. And if I understood it correctly, uh, it's been a few years since I was reading up on Astro Teller and the moonshot lab was that, that uh, you get rewarded for the idea, not for whether the idea is successful. In other words, if, if the team ultimately gets to the point where they decide to kill an idea, then that still calls for celebration because you made a definitive decision to not waste resources on a failing idea. But but the the process of the idea generation itself was valuable to the organization because it reinforced this culture of we need ideas and we need innovative ideas and we want you to bring those forward and we're going to test those. Some will succeed, some will fail, but we're going to celebrate all of the ideas equitably.
1: Classic case in point, and, and you know, I know he, this is he's a polarizing character these days, but when Elon Musk bought Twitter, he, he very publicly said, we're going to try some stuff and some of it's going to be dumb and some of it's going to fail, but we're going to try some new things. He feels like, independent of all the other political stuff that goes along with that, that he's going to really try to do some things with the business model and long-term sustainability, some of which will work and some of which won't. Immediately by saying that, he's showing I've got a tolerance that I'm going to try some things that might not make any sense. And I want people in the organization that are going to be willing to do that, willing to work hard to do that as well. And I think that's, that's a, the, the kind of top down sort of leadership mindset you need to ultimately build a lasting culture of innovation.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you as a leader, you don't have to create the wild, wild west out there where every g- gunslinger, you know, west of the Mississippi brings an idea and, and, and you fund it. You know, you can put structure around it. And we would even recommend you put structure around it. Use the lean canvas. Uh, use the, the innovation leadership model that we've created. And we can certainly supply you with that. If you want to reach out to us, we can provide you with a copy of that, but, but build some build some milestones and methodologies in there that enable you to, uh, you know, identify and quantify the problem, do a little bit of customer discovery and some quantitative research on the problem, and then come forward with a first level review, having quantified and qualified that the problem actually exists and that it's real, we could win and it's worth going to be worth the effort, right? That may be the first step in the process. And, and that goes through the first review, have as many of those top of the funnel as you, as you have. And then, and then give them a lean canvas and say, now go do the rest of the lean canvas if it makes it through that first stage. So you don't have to, as a leader, just open up the floodgates and say we're going to throw money at every idea that someone has. Have a vetting process uh, that narrows them down and, and moves them through a staging kind of mechanism.
1: Well, and, and, and of course, you know we, we're we're pretty enamored with with lean canvas and customer discovery, but the phase gate product development process has been around for about 40 years now. And, and the whole idea was people who had built large systems before, and you think of some of the large military systems of Polaris submarines, the ICBMs, there was this waterfall approach where you, everything was was done in this sort of sequence where you weren't getting early feedback if you were on the right track. And if you have infinite money and a lot of time, you can do that. But this idea of a spiral methodology, of agile, of lean canvas, of phase gate says, we need early incremental feedback on, and, and feedback is, an, is a synonym in this case for failure to determine if we're on the right track. And that's, I think, part of it. Those tools can, can give you the kind of framework where you are gonna have failures, but they're failures at a point that you haven't spent an inordinate amount of time and money. What we see happen all too often is, projects take on a life of their own. They're set in some strategic direction. You go forward with them. And everyone's afraid to kill it because it was some executive level thought. And whereas if you've got that right culture of innovation, you're going to expect incremental learning
0: and you're going to expect early failures on a lot of things. That's right. And we're going to dig into uh, to innovation readiness and some methods and uh, methodologies and processes and standards you can put in place. So recap for us, if you will, Jeff, you do the recap today on innovative leadership versus uh, innovation leadership. Well, innovative leadership
1: is the idea that as individual leaders at any particular level, you're investing in yourself and in, in ultimately in the organization by being aware of things that you can do that will make the organization more effectively. So you're being, you're being disruptive. You're trying things. You're instituting things like we heard from Axiom and Charles Morgan that makes a profit and loss center out of every small business unit, kind of a franchise methodology. That is something that that impacts your overall leadership effectiveness, whereas innovation leadership is the overall spectrum of innovation, building that culture of innovation in an organization through process and acceptance of early failures and the climate that says it's OK to take risk. So I think those are the, the differences between
0: those two. Very good. Thank you for that. And so we'll be now transitioning into the fifth domain of the growth DX, the growth diagnostic that uh, has become uh, a flagship tool of Innovation Junkie. And our next several episodes will be focused on innovation readiness. Uh, That's that fifth domain. This has been another episode of the Innovation Junkies podcast. Thank you for joining. See you next time.
1: Feedback from listeners like you helps us create outstanding content. So if you like this episode, be sure to rate us or leave a review. Also, don't forget to subscribe to get the latest growth and innovation strategies. Thanks for tuning in to the Innovation Junkies podcast.